good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman. That's a Lutheran who believes but has some questions. And in short, that program's designed for someone just exactly like me. You know, there's a lot I don't understand. It doesn't have to be something soul-shaking. It might be just something that's been on my mind for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, a casual front porch-style talk with the pastor is the best way to understanding. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. And you can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org. Or call in at the program at any time. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, the number is 314-821-0850. Or toll-free anywhere in North America at 1-800-730-2727. Well, welcome, Pastor. Did you make it through the storm? I made it through the storm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It is snowing to beat the band out here. Oh, yeah, there was emergency vehicles everywhere. <laughs> oh, boy, I believe it. You know, uh, during World War II... Uh, during the Battle of the Bulge, and the Germans launched this huge counteroffensive in 1944, aimed at breaking through our lines. And uh, what had happened was that there was an American division that was surrounded by the Germans in the town of Beston. Mm. And uh, General Patton, with the Third Army, is trying to go to their relief. But the weather was absolutely horrible. Wow. Snow and freeze and, and fog. And he just... <laughs> Well, Patton was, was, was a religious man, and so what he did was he asked the uh, chaplain of the Third Army, which he was in charge of, uh-huh. to come up with a weather prayer. <laughs> and here it is. Almighty and most merciful Father, we humbly beseech thee of thy great goodness to restrain these immoderate rains with which we have had to contend. Grant us fair weather for the battle. Graciously hearken unto us, soldiers, who uh, who call thee that, armed with thy power, that we may advance to victory, to victory, and crush the oppression and wickedness of our enemies, and establish thy justice among men and nations. Amen. Wow. And you know what happened? What? The weather cleared. The weather cleared. Wow. <laughs> the weather cleared, and the Air Force was able to come in and give support to the troops that were beleaguered and drop supplies to them, and Patton's army burst through to the besieged town of Bastogne on the day after Christmas. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Thank the Lord. <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. The Lord works in different ways. In different ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, we're having it here. I got to tell you. I'm... We're both going to drive home today. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, nothing is moving out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is just emergent. When I came down Handley, um, there was emergency vehicles, so I detoured to Big Ben, and there was more emergency vehicles. It's like, wow, how do I get around this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to compound matters, you know, normally uh, our guests come in through our main, through our main door here in the front of the, uh, of the uh, IC. However, because of the weather, the powers that be decided to close up shop at 2 oh, o'clock. <laughs> so the front door was locked, so we had to, <laughs> had to station somebody out back wow. to keep an eye out for Pastor Lord so he could get in. <laughs> oh, what fun, what fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Makes you glad you're alive, though, I tell you. You know, I lived in the desert for, gosh, about 16 years. And I mean, I'm talking desert. It's, you know, tumbleweeds, sand dunes, the whole thing. Hey, wow. Out in Palm Springs. And uh, the only time I would see snow would be maybe up in the mountains. And I'd think, <laughs> Boy, am I glad it's up there and I'm down here. And then the summer would come and the temperature would hit 120. <laughs> and I'd say, what am I doing here? I want to go back to Missouri. <laughs> 
Well, in Jamaica, where I grew up, oh. the only place it snowed was on the top of Blue Mountain, and no one goes up there. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you're not only in the U.S., you're now in Missouri, where the weather changes the weather from changes. week to week. Yeah. <laughs> incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh-huh. Oh. Well, Pastor, uh, what I wanted to talk to you about over and above the weather, <laughs> which we can't do a darn thing about, uh, this is uh, what we call Life Month. And, you know, it was uh, 46 years ago on the 22nd of January, that the Supreme Court ruled Roe v. Wade, which legalized abortion on demand. Yeah. Well, problem is, is that this is against God's law. Of course. So what I wanted to discuss with you is, theologically, how do we address life? What is life? I I know one of the things I was always taught, for example, with suicide, uh, is it's not my life to take. Right. Right, right. Yeah, this life is only loaned to me. Right. And that's what we believe as Christians, you know, that life was given by God and that life should be taken only by God. Now, of course, um, the government has the right to, to, um, for justice, in the name of justice, to, to even kill someone mm-hmm. if necessary. But the shedding of innocent blood is still um, wrong, even for government. No one has the right to shed innocent blood. That's the key word, innocent, I think, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Someone who has not done anything against the state, yeah. you know, and we just uh, decide that this person doesn't have the right to live. Um, and that doesn't just have to do with abortion. That also has to do with um, euthanasia. Mm. You know, how do we place a value on someone's life and just say, you know, um, the qual- your quality of life is so bad that um, it's not worth living. Um, and, uh, you know, that's you know part of the concern, even when it comes to government taking over health care. What kind of value will they place on someone's life? Well, I think six states now have legalized euthanasia. Hawaii uh, just just legalized it effective uh, the first of this year. Yeah, and that is that is a problem too because now you are deciding that uh, someone's poor quality of life is not worth living, and it's you have the right to to take this person's life. Um, you know, there was a passage I was looking up as I looked at your um, looked at your email, and uh, it's a uh, it's a passage out of the um, the Old Testament regarding um, murder or abortion, um, and it reads um, it's from Proverbs, Proverbs chapter six. Uh, verses 16 through 17, and it says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Hmm. And I thought, wow, hands that shed innocent blood. Um, and that's where, you know, you can apply that text to... to um, Abortion, you can apply it to euthanasia um, because you're taking a life innocently. Um, mm-hmm. 
life that has done nothing to deserve death. Um, and, you know, it shows that we don't care about people. You know, we are supposed to be caring about each other. In fact, that's what the, the fifth commandment is about. Thou shall not murder. Um, you know, we should not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and care for him in any way that um, he has a need. Well, now, does the fifth commandment actually say thou shalt not murder or thou shalt not kill? Uh, I think if I should have looked at that, but I think it says <laughs> thou shalt not murder. Yeah, I've heard it both ways. Yeah, I think it's thou shalt not murder. In the catechism, it, it reads thou shalt not murder. So yeah. I imagine that would be a more accurate translation, thou shalt not murder. Yeah. yeah. Because certainly the, uh, the ancient Hebrews... Uh, had no hesitation at, at, at visiting uh, visiting violence upon their enemies. Right. Yeah, well, and that's different. You know, if you're fighting just war, mm -hmm. as you just talked about um, World War Two, where um, you know the government sends in the soldiers to to kill, and yes, um, they will kill at, uh, and that's not. You know, that's not wrong for the government to do that to mm -hmm. send soldiers in to kill the enemy. Um, that's perfectly okay. But for us, you know, to just take each other's life when we should be caring for each other, that is just clearly so wrong. And that's what you're seeing with abortion. You know, abortion um, is the, the taking of a life because you don't want to be responsible for this life. Mm. Um, and we are our brother's keeper. <laughs> you know, that was uh, that was uh, Cain's uh, complaint to God when God said, no, where's your brother? You know, am I my brother's keeper? Well, the answer to that is, yes, you are. <laughs> you know, we are responsible for each other, to care for each other from the moment of conception till when one is transitioning from this life into the next life. We are to care for that person. Um, and we can't just say, well, you know, I don't want to be bothered. And it seems to me that really is a lot of what the uh, abortion, pro-abortion argument is, is that it's it's inconvenient. Yes, yes, it's unwanted. How, how do you describe somebody as unwanted? Mm. Yeah, you know, you're not wanted. Worse than that, so, well, I'll just yeah. kill it. Right, Yeah. right. And, and... and I, I look at, at some of these people, and uh, I've even heard some extreme arguments. I will say this is not mainstream pro-abortion, but I've even heard some arguments saying that uh, a mother should have the option to uh, dispose of her newborns up to a certain age because they're not really sentient and self-aware. Wow. And yeah. that, that's horrifying. Right. And, you know, it, it was just a matter of time before they take that step yeah. to move from uh, killing it before it's born to even killing it after. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, I forgot the name of the country that um, said they were able to get rid of Down syndrome. Oh, Iceland. Uh, I think Iceland. Was it Iceland or Finland or one of those, yeah, one of those European yeah. countries Denmark. that um, wanted to, they said, we got rid of Down syndrome. And how did they do it? They would run mm -hmm. tests on the pregnant um, woman and if the child, they would know, based on certain tests, that the child is going to be born with Down syndrome. And they would go, you know, you may as well just abort. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they are eradicating Down syndrome by abortion.
Well, you know, a number of uh, state legislatures here in the U.S. now have been trying to en- enact uh, laws that would that prohibit aborting a fetus because it is diagnosed with Down syndrome. And naturally, the, the usual suspects are opposing that. Right, right. And, you know, and I think um, ever since Roe versus Wade, I think there's always been this chipping away at, uh, at abortion um, by many legislators. Some people describe it as um, death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I hope that they succeed, you know, because now some of the states have put forward uh, what they call um, not aborting when the, the fetus can feel pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, uh, you know, the, yeah. I know what you mean. The, 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 it's like, like, I think it's called the 21. Pain, pain capable. Yeah, yes, right. And they capable. go, you know, we know that yeah. um, the fetus is capable of pain very early. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they are against aborting when the fetus can feel pain. And some states are even trying to pass what they call heartbeat bills. Right. As soon as the heartbeat is detected, which can be as soon as six weeks after conception. Wow. See, and yeah, yeah and those are, you know, those are ways they can try to to limit um, abortion um, and just, you know, chip away at it until um, it is just about illegal, mm-hmm. you know, which, uh, um, you know, they just need to go the full route and just say, look, um, abortion is murder because um, it's the taking of a life. Um, and that, that's another passage that always stand out to me um, regarding abortion. Uh, Two of them, actually, if you look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it reads, um, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before Mm -hmm. you were born, I set you apart. And uh, the other one is Psalm 139, verse 16, where it says, um, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Um, and, you know, these are passages that uh, remind us that uh, um, the unborn is a person, mm-hmm. is a person, or the narrative regarding John the Baptist um, in Luke chapter 1, where it says, um, John the Baptist leaped for joy while still in, in his mother's womb. In doing so, John the Baptist and Elizabeth, by the Holy Spirit, acknowledged the unborn Jesus as Lord. But he leaped for joy, (laughs) (laughs) so that even in the womb, he's a person. Mm -hmm. And and I think that is how they they try to justify abortion by saying, "If if you're not born yet, you're not a person. Well, I think that's one reason why so many of the pro-abortion sides are vehemently opposed to the ultrasounds. That are performed. That are you know. In some states, though, they they mandate that there an, an ultra an ultrasound be performed before an abortion. Wow! And the pro-abortion side are fighting those laws left yes. and right because these women look at this and say, "That's that, a child." That's a child. Exactly. Exactly. Um, this uh, this young man. Um, let me see if I can pronounce his name right. He's African. Um, his uh, name is Akendeli 
Ayodich Akinyemi. <laughs> he married my daughter, um, Summer Gone. And uh, so they came to visit us um, over the, towards New Year's. Mm -hmm. And I was speaking with him, and uh, he explained about this um, doctor in Nigeria that uh, was able to perform surgery and an unborn. Yeah. Yeah. And he looked it up on online and showed it to me. I can't pronounce the doctor's name, but what the doctor did, they detected that something was wrong with the unborn child. And I think that's the way we should talk now. You know, we should stop saying fetus. fetus. The, the, you know, we should change our language, you know, and, start saying, and start saying, you know, the unborn child. And, and and refer to what's in the womb as a person. Um, yeah. And this doctor was able to go in, take the child out, perform the surgery, and put the child back in. And so um, in our media, they said this person was born twice. <laughs> <laughs> Described this person as being born twice. Um, but the fact that he was able to detect a problem and go in, perform the surgery, fix it, and put the child back in um, is amazing um, to show that uh, um, you're a person before oh, yeah. you're born. And and science is increasingly supporting this. Uh, you know, even at the moment of conception, right. the DNA is unique. Yes, yes. Absolutely unique. Yes. As soon as the fingers form, the fingerprints are unique. Yes, yes. And, you know, how can you, how how can can you, you look at that and right. deny? And deny that, that this is a person. Um, so, I, you know, I hope that the legislators in, in a lot of the conservative states will continue to chip away at um, at abortion. And that's another thing, too, with um, government-run health care. You know, if they're going to decide, mm -hmm. um, they, then they can simply fund abortion if they believe more in a woman's right to choose. And that's the way they do it. They make it sound, they try to take the moral high, high ground by saying we believe in a woman's right to choose, we are pro-choice, yeah. and it sounds better that way. Um, but uh, I think the March to Life group um, has um, said it correctly when they say we are pro-life. Well, I always wonder when I hear people say, well, abortion is a human right. How can it be a human right when it invariably ends up in a human death? Death, exactly. Shh. And one of the things they are doing now, even in schools, they have, um, I saw this on, on television recently, they have women that have had abortions mm -hmm. talk with young children and try to convince them that the abortion was God's plan. Oh, Lord. And you go, now this is where, you know, we have to be even against public education if they can use public education to teach something that is so wrong. Oh, that's horrible. You know, that uh, it was God's plan. That You know, you, you're putting words in God's mouth now, um, you know, to say it's God's plan. That's not God's plan that you should kill. No. Um, and, and that's the direction we see things going in the, in the public arena. 
Well, Pastor, we're hitting the bottom of the hour here. I'm going to take a break, but boy, we've opened a can of worms, and I want to talk about it some more on the as soon as we come around. Sure. the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for... Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. Lamplighter Theater launches its biggest production yet. You might even call it Giant. Presenting the Giant Killing. Join Fidus in his fight against the giants of sloth and selfishness, pride, untruth, and hate. Fidus needs wisdom. Stay firm in the faith. And a special weapon. The sword of the spirit. And so will you. A must listen for your family to conquer the giants in your life. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. In a day when numerous concerns about money and safety abound in this fallen world, there is still a beacon of hope in Christ Jesus spreading the gospel message of mercy. Worldwide, KFUO has been a good steward of donations, ensuring the safety of funds our listener-supported ministry receives. If you have questions about donating to keep this worldwide ministry healthy, send an email to gifts at kfuo.org. Concord Matters is a show seeking agreement in Christian confession. I'm Pastor Charles Henriksen, one of the hosts of Concord Matters, heard on Worldwide KFUO each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central and a repeat on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central. We take an in-depth look at the Book of Concord with some fine Lutheran theologians. Concord Matters, live on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Today is the birthday of Alexander Hamilton. On Broadway, the historic figure has been brought to life in the musical Hamilton. Sir, I don't know what you heard, but whatever it is, Jefferson started it. Thomas Jefferson resigned this morning. You're kidding. Which features quite a few biblical references. In a conversation between Hamilton and George Washington, the president is considering stepping down from office. In the song, One Last Time, the lyrics quote from the book of Micah, chapter 4, verse 4. Everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. From America's founders to the lights of Broadway, the Bible continues to impact history and culture. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor's in. I'm Kip Allen. The host, my guest pastor today, is perhaps to be my pastor, who is Pastor Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. We are talking about life, what it means. Yes. And there's so many different meanings and, and the value and how it has become devalued so much in, in society today. 
you know, we've been talking, uh, first of all, about uh, about abortion and right to life, but life as we know it in Lutheranism begins at conception and that it ends at natural death. Natural death, yes. So let's talk about that a little bit, about natural death. Um, euthanasia is now happening more and more, not just in the U.S., but worldwide. In fact, there's a case going on in uh, uh, the Human Rights uh, Commission is hearing it in uh, in, uh, in uh, Europe, where a Belgian doctor euthanized a woman who wasn't ill. I mean, she, she was depressed. That's the only reason he euthanized her. She was perfectly healthy otherwise. No life-threatening diseases. Wow. And she just said, well, I want to die. And she goes, okay. Give her what she wants. Gave huh? her what she wanted and, and killed her. Wow. And uh, apparently that's legal under Belgian law. The Belgians refused to uh, investigate it. Or but, prosecute him for it. Yeah. And uh, the, the woman's son is furious about it and uh, saying she needed to be treated for depression. You know, right, right, and apparently the uh, there's a European uh, or European Union body that is now looking into it. Mm. But boy, I, you, we see this so much in different in different parts of the country, and it's starting right here now in the United States. We remember the uh, the case of uh, Brittany Maynard a few years ago. That was yeah. that uh, young woman who had uh, glioblastoma. And uh, she was a Californian, uh, but moved to Oregon because Oregon at that time had uh, assisted suicide laws. Wow. And she took her own life. At the same time, uh, one of our Lutheran, uh, brave Lutheran women, a lady by the name of uh, Maggie Carner, also was suffering from that very same disease. Okay. And she stayed with it to the end and even wrote several open letters to Brittany Maynard begging her not to take her own life. Wow, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that. I mean, when we go to a, a position, you know, I've, I've been through it, I guess, maybe twice. You know, I'm, I'm a widower, as you know. And uh, my late wife, uh, she had an illness last lasted for about a year and a half. Okay. And at the very end, she was uh, she wasn't in pain so much as she was delusional. I mean, when her body started to shut down, mm-hmm. but she got so much joy toward the end there of little things, just like being able to see the mountains hmm. from where we were. She loved the mountains, and uh, we had actually had her. Uh, her uh, hospital bed we had put in our dining room because the dining room looked out over the mountains. Wow. And had a little bird feeder out front, which she just loved. Wow. And she just got so much joy from that. And I remember, uh, <laughs> used to call this her medicine. She had a real weakness for this particular type of chocolate cake. <laughs> so so I, I, I go out and find this, this one, this it's only this one brand of chocolate cake. And so I, I bring it to her and say, Time for your medicine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have a a member at St. James also. um, He was our president for for many years. I don't know if you met him yet, um, Erickson Smith. Oh, yes, I think I've met him. Yeah. Um, Well, he was absent for a long time caring for his wife when she developed Alzheimer's. Mm. And... um, her Alzheimer's ran longer than usual, and uh, he stayed with her and 
took care of her to the very end. God bless him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even towards the end, he talked about um, I would get up in the morning and even when I'm having my coffee, I would sit with her and she would hold my hands. Mm. And uh, he knew when she was dying, when she would no longer grip his hands, he would hold hers and she wouldn't hold his. Mm -hmm. And that's when he called me and he said, I don't think she's got much longer. Um, And sure, within a week of that, she she passed away. It's funny. I know exactly what he's talking about. Uh, There were two things that struck at once with my wife. Uh Uh, When I remember her sitting bolt upright in bed, Uh looking around and saying, whose house is this? Wow. And I said... Well, we've lived here for eight years. It's uh, ours. Yeah. Eight years. You're just complete befuddlement. And the other thing is, <laughs> as weird as this was, because she died of COPD, you know, uh-huh. a, 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 but she was a heavy smoker. Uh-huh. Up to the end, she was a heavy smoker. And then about the, the almost exactly the same day when she did this and stood up and sat up and said, whose house is this? She stopped smoking. Wow. And that's when I knew that... We're talking days. Yes. We're talking days. Wow. Yeah. Well, and Erickson was, uh, he was there to the very end with her. Mm. And uh, I've known a couple of cases like that where, you know, the husband stuck by the wife or the wife stuck by the husband to the very end. In fact, um, one of my emergency calls when I came to St. James was two o'clock in the morning. Mm. Um, I was called because this uh, this member um, didn't think he was gonna live to see the morning. He had been suffering with cancer, and uh, he wanted communion one more time. And of course, got the call two o'clock in the morning. You get up, you get dressed, and you go to the house and you commune him. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he lasted a couple more days, and then he passed away. But he saw it coming and uh, didn't think he was going to live through through the night and uh, just wanted communion one more time. And I guess that was a source of comfort for him to receive the Lord's Supper, receive the assurance of the forgiveness of sins, and the strengthening of his faith um, to just pass through death's gloomy portal, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, death for us is nothing more than a gate. Um, it's a gloomy portal for us, but we pass through it um, to eternal life where there is no more suffering. Um, so it's it's not easy for us. It's not... It's not easy for the person dying, and it's not easy for the caregiver up to the end either. No. It's tough on both. Um, you <laughs> it's know, it's definitely not easy. Yeah, but you know, um, we take up our cross and we follow Jesus. You know, we're never told to take up our best life now and follow Jesus. To quote the uh, Joel Olstein book but to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, it's not always going to be easy. 
but um, he is with us um, and he gives us the strength we need um, even towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even, so we shouldn't think about um, taking the easy way out. I think part of euthanasia is to take the easy way out. I don't want to suffer. Just end it now. Well, I I want to look at it. Uh, my brother also had a, had an ex- experience where his his wife died. She also had glioblastoma, mm. brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she had gone home to die, my wife, who is a nurse, uh, went out there to uh, to help. And then I joined her uh, a week later, and we stayed there for several weeks. You know, going yeah. through it. Uh, and the poor woman, my brother's wife, the poor woman was, I guess she was just, she was raving. Uh, I'm not sure she was in pain so much as just completely irrational, but she was uh, just screaming for help, uh, talking to people who weren't there and, and, oh, my poor brother. Yeah. Viewing this. And I know that Mike, my brother was hoping she would die. And it it wasn't because Mike was suffering. He wanted her suffering to end. Exactly. And I think that is where, you know, the the devil gets his foothold. You know, um because sure when you're going through something like that, you, you know, you you want the person's suffering to end. And, I, you know, that's where, you know, we... You remember Dr. Kevorkian? Oh, yeah. Good Dr. Death? Uh, yeah, Dr. Kevorkian. And, and that was his um, argument, you know. Um, he made it... Uh, he made it sound like it was the morally right thing to do to not let someone uh, suffer and say, don't you want the person's suffering to end? Yes, you want that to end, of course. But at the same time... You go on God's timetable, not yours. You know, mm-hmm. I don't remember this lady that I she was good friends with my mother, and uh, um, she didn't want her father to die. But once she saw him, how much he was suffering, she couldn't stand to see him suffer, and she said, "Lord, don't let him suffer anymore. Take him." Mm-hmm. And not too long after that, her father um, passed away. So there is that side of us that want to see the suffering come to an end. Um, but that happens in God's timetable, you know. Well, let me ask. <clears throat> let me ask a related question. Um, I've known some some people who have had terminal cancer. I'm sure you have as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the. Treatment sometimes is as bad as the disease. Yes. And I've known some who have finally said, okay, no more treatment. Right. Is that a form of suicide? No, I don't think so. Um, I, Off the top of my head, I would say no. I can see where a person um, is willing to accept the end and say, look, maybe it's my time to, to go. And I'm not gonna try to to um, to push back death or to you know to stop it. I can see a person saying that. Well, the extension of life, right? In a case like that, that's that's intervention by man, right? I had mem- we had members like that at St. James. I remember one of our members. I went to visit her, 
and she had this ban on her arm that says DNR. Yeah, do not resuscitate. And I said to her, um, do you realize what that means? And she said, yes, I know what it means. And I go, do you want that? And she said, that's exactly what I want. Um, and I remember her son and I were talking because she needed this um, this drug to keep our heart going. Mm-hmm. And eventually they just couldn't get to put that port in anymore. And she said, stop trying. Don't do this anymore. And they go, if we withdraw this drug from you, within a matter of days, you're going to die. And she said, then so be it. And her son and I were sitting, you know, after we went out to lunch, we were discussing funeral arrangement. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was close to her birthday. And uh, days pass, she didn't die. She had her birthday, they celebrated her birthday. She didn't die. And her son said, Mom, I have to go back to work. I live in North Carolina. And she said, go back to work. And he said, but if I leave, I'm just going to have to come right back. And she said, go back to work. So he reluctantly went back to work. I would visit her every Saturday. Mm -hmm. And he would call every Saturday. And uh, we'd talk on the phone and I'd visit with her. And uh, she lived almost to her next birthday. Oh, boy. (laughs) Almost to her next birthday. Um, So she just didn't, you know, want to try anymore. And goes, when the Lord is ready, he'll take me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the days, like the doctors said, or a week. (laughs) It was uh, almost a year from when they withdrew that um, that medication from her. So, I, you know, I can see someone saying, I'm not going to try anymore mm-hmm. to to stop death from coming. And I don't consider that to be um, euthanasia. But you're not doing something to end your life. You're just, you're just, you don't want to prolong it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you're not doing something to end it. Yeah, God gives a sec. X number of years. Now, yeah. We could extend it, yeah, perhaps we, beyond what God intended. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. It's. I, I will tell. I will tell you as my pastor. I have an advanced medical directive myself. Ah. With uh, do not re, do, do not, not resuscitate. resuscitate. I'm not afraid of death. Okay, but see, uh, you're not doing anything to end your no, life. No, no, no. I just no. don't do his just heroic don't, efforts. Yeah, yeah, don't go. Yeah, don't go yeah. the extra mile. Well, my my late wife uh, was quite the opposite. Ah, and uh, one of the hardest things I had to do uh, was uh, she went into a. Oh, I guess it was. I guess she was having severe renal failure, mm. and. Uh, the doctors came to me and said, you know, this really is her time. Wow. But she had told me explicitly uh-huh. that she wanted to fight it every step of the way. Okay. So and, you honored that. And I honored that. Yeah. So I told the doctors, treat her. Yeah, treat it. Yeah. Which yeah. they did. And she lived for another few months. But um, that was one of the hardest things I had to do. Yeah. And and that's, you know, and that's where we need to also step back and let the person 
um, decide, you know. But I, my fear with uh, government takeover of mm-hmm. healthcare is they're going to start making those decisions and go, you know, you're not worth the money. Yeah. Because they see dollars and cents rather than people. Um, at least that's my fear. <laughs> you know, that is my fear. And, uh, you know, I think if someone don't want to continue with all the treatment, if they think it's just not worth it, that's different from someone saying, I'm going to actually do. In fact, um, some of the treatment that they give you actually speeds up death. Oh, I didn't and know And they'll that. tell you that. For example, when they start... Uh, um, morphine on someone that is in pain for say terminal ca Mm -hmm. and they'll tell you that the morphine is not only to relieve the person of pain but it will also hasten death Hmm. that i didn't know yeah so you know some of the medication they are giving you um, for pain will actually speed up death. Because yeah. I was giving morphine to my wife, but the idea was that it, it, uh, she was having such difficulty breathing. Right. Was that it relaxed the diaphragm muscles to the right. point where she could breathe more easily. Exactly. Exactly. That same thing happened to my brother's son yeah. that was um, was diagnosed. And he was young. Mm. A young a child, pretty much. And when they diagnosed him with cancer and said... Um, the prognosis for this kind of cancer is not good, and your son is dying. One of the things my brother said to me was, um, he said, when I went to see him before you know, before the funeral, he said, Wayne, I would never want to go through something like this without Jesus. Mm. Because, Absolutely. Yeah, because he said towards the end, he was giving him morphine just to relax him sedate him so that he could breathe yeah and uh but you know it also hastened death um you know mm-hmm. what they're giving you but to keep the person comfortable yes um i think is important to it not is. let someone you know you know because we're caring for the person but we also know that by caring for them um they will eventually die mm-hmm. but to actually do something that's going to you know for example if they say you know this amount of morphine will will um will get rid of the pain you don't double the dose no. and then kill the person you know no. then that's euthanasia you know because now you're taking a life um but i think keeping a person comfortable and clean and you know, it's it's a way of caring for the person it to the is. very end. It yeah. is, and and you know the, the the concept of quality of life, I think, changes with the circumstance. Like I mentioned with my wife, yeah. just to be able to see the the sunset of the mountains. Right. That was yeah. She loved that yeah. towards the yeah. end. Yes. She loved God's creation. Mm. That's it. <laughs> yeah, she loved God's creation, and I think that's uh, you know. Um, I, I wouldn't want to leave this world, too, for that reason, that mm. um, not only are we wonderfully made, um, but uh, God's creation is wonderful, too. But well, we're also looking forward to the new heaven and the new absolutely. earth, um, the home of righteousness, and we should uh, we should uh, look forward to that also. Well, also, um, one, of the, one of the lessons I learned on that was the beauty of first article gifts. 
We had this wonderful, beautiful German shepherd by the name of Conrad. Uh. <laughs> and when she was sick, you know, toward the very end, Conrad would just lay down by her bed and wouldn't leave. Wow. Isn't that something? <laughs> and that was another thing that she got great comfort from. Got comfort from. I've heard that, that um, especially in places like St. Jude, mm. where a lot of children suffer from cancer. Yeah. And one of the things they do is um, bring animals, and it cheers them up mm-hmm. just to interact with um, with some of these animals. Uh, that is that is something. Oh yeah. When I lived out in California, I, I uh, did some reports in an outfit there called Hearts and Paws, mm. and that's what they did: is they would bring these these wonderful dogs into uh, into hospitals to very seriously ill people. Yes, because the dogs loved them. <laughs> there was a group that I met, a Lutheran group, when I went to a conference. That I know you're talking about. I, I can't remember the name, but I Comfort have Comfort dogs? Yes. And yeah. um, I met a couple of ladies that had these dogs, and I was like, what are you guys doing? And she, they started <laughs> to explain to me that um, how they take the dogs to people who oh, are yeah. ill and uh, have them interact with these dogs, and it bring them great comfort. Well, they told me a story. Yeah, I've, I've talked to these people a number of times, Lutheran, uh, Lutheran Church Charities, it's called, the uh-huh. umbrella organization. Uh-huh. Uh, but they brought in uh, some dogs after the, the, Stoneman's, uh, the, uh, the Stoneman shooting, school shooting ah. in the Northeast. And they told a story about how there was this one little girl, who, one of the survivors, yeah. who simply did not talk after the shooting. Wow. But she talked to the dog. Wow. She opened up to the dog, told the dog the whole story of what had happened, and they just opened it up for her. Wow. And the parents are so grateful. For that. That's a first article gift. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Uh, yeah. God works in very interesting ways. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Pastor Lawrence, we're coming up close to the last minute or so. What are our final thoughts on, on life? Final thoughts in life. I would say, you know, on the one hand, life is beautiful. It's a gift from God. But because we live in a a fallen world, um, life has its challenges, its difficulties. But uh, thanks be to God that in Christ we are a new creation. And because we are a new creation, even after this life, we look forward to eternal life and recognize that indeed this is a gift that god has given us yes but it's not our life right it's not mine to do it as i please it's not mine to take yeah it's not and i've never fully gone along with these people well my body is my temple type thing but i understand that you know i'm just the steward here yeah yes and uh so, you know, stay away from drugs. <laughs> you know, yeah. I do that stuff. Yeah, we were yeah. talking earlier. You know, I, I, I'm overweight and I probably like my beer a little too much, but well. Oh, but that's not bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's, <laughs> I agree. Not sure that's, my wife does fully. <laughs> but at least I no longer smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you've been listening to Let's Talk the Pastors in. Today's guest pastor, Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in. University City. Talk to you later.
listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.